Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 46. Tully from 2018. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us today, we were just talking about this before we started recording our only four-time guest. Wait, I want to make sure this is right. Hold on. There's only one other person. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. There's another four-time guest. One of two. However, you and this person share a bond. The other person, Zach Dazan... We know oh. we sort of got introduced to Zach. I, I don't know if you know this, I Mike. I gave you but Zach yeah, Dazan. Through our through our guest tonight, we met Zach Dazan. But our guest tonight, more important than Zach Dazan because she is here with us. She was on Celebrity, a terrible movie. She was on Sweet November, a hot dog movie. Hot dog movie. Good way of putting it. Uh, she was on Mad Max, a great movie, and she's on Tully, perhaps the weirdest movie that we've covered so far <laughs> in Watch the Throne. My yes. jaw was agape by the end. We have Jordan Paul and Clark. Hello, Jordan. Hi. Hello. Did you, did either of you have any idea that this was a, like, you know, split personality um, movie? I did. Nope. Somebody spoiled it for oh. me. Oh, no. That's so, so mad. That's so, that's way too bad. I know. I knew something was up. I did, did you? Not, I, not that. I did not expect that at all, which I, and I'm so glad that's what was going on. We'll get into all of that kind of stuff. But I had nothing, I had no idea what this movie was about at all because I was in my trailer embargo phase during this thanks to joey so like and we were doing theron i didn't want to spoil anything so i knew just i just knew she was a mom so i knew the premise i knew that she was sort of rescued quote-unquote rescued by this night nanny by Mackenzie davis because i saw parts of the trailer in theaters not never the whole thing i don't know what it was but i i think the trailer ended with hi i'm tully i'm here to help you or something like that or, i'm here to save you or whatever okay for it to turn out that Tully is her younger self and she imagined it all and somehow went into like delirious supermom mode, which I'm so glad we have Jordan on this episode because there's so many <laughs> complex portrayals of like women and like motherhood and independence and you know what society expects. I'm glad Jordan you're here to help us decode this movie. Are you so here's here's my most important question, I think. Did you like this movie? I liked this movie until the last three minutes of it. What was the last three minutes? The last the twist? three minutes. No, no, no. After the twist. Like okay. when she's in the hospital and her husband is like, I'm so sorry I let this happen because that fucking dummy didn't even notice that his wife was losing her shit. That's how checked out he yeah. was. When he's talking to the nurse getting the paperwork filled out and she's like, he's like, oh, nobody was home to watch a kid. She's like, weren't you home? He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess I was home. He was playing video games probably. <laughs> That's like one of my pet, one of my pet peeves in movies and a lot of movies do this is that they portray mental illness in a way that assumes it can be solved by somebody loving you. That is just so far from the truth. I can't stand it because that's that's how this movie ends is like she's clearly very mentally ill right we learn that that's what's been happening and then he learns that that's what's been happening and then he apologizes for being shitty everything is fixed like that's not how that works the other movie that did that that made me like batch it is silver linings playbook oh i don't like that movie they love all, each other so it's fine that they're mentally ill and like really struggling like that's just not how it works I really liked this movie until that. And I didn't want to. I want to hate this type of movie. One thing that I read on, I think it was IMDb, was that this movie has a very, very split reception mm -hmm. in terms of mm. people who, like, want to view it within the scope of, like, mental illness. That people mm. are frustrated by the fact that, like, it doesn't really ever define 
what she has no. or never really talks about it overtly. I mean, at the end, we get a sense of it, but it's not like, like the movie's over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But other people like that element of it because in life, things are a little bit messy and things aren't always defined. And people don't always have answers. You know what I mean? So I can see both sides of it. I don't know where I come down. I like that it has a happy ending, but I don't know that that's... I didn't read anything to back this up, but I almost feel like that's like a, like a studio note. You know what I mean? Like Diablo yeah. Cody, who this reunites... This is important. Uh, reunites Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman and Charlize for the first time since Young Adult. Reunites Diablo Cody and uh, Jason Reitman for the third time. I think they did... Juno. Juno. Oh, yeah, Juno. And Young I Adult? I feel like just knowing... They did Young Adult together, all three of them, and then without Charlize, they did Young Adult, or they did Juno. Mm -hmm. But it feels like just knowing Diablo Cody's other stuff, that she might have delivered a script with, like, a real bummer of an ending, and then the studio was like, well, we can just tack on these scenes and kind of make it happy. I don't know that I would have preferred a bleak ending, but I think it would have maybe fit better with the rest of the movie. Yeah, like, I thought there was a lot of things in this movie. I mean, it's still a movie, but I thought there were a lot of things in this movie that at least tried to be real. Like, I was uncomfortable for most of this movie. In what ways? It just, like, shows motherhood and, like, being a woman in ways that are just, like, awful and that are true. I assume I yeah. don't have kids, but I right. assume that they are true and that it's also that worse than about. that. No, I know I don't have kids. It's not how <laughs> women work. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. That's right. No, like there's that one montage early in the movie where like they're driving to school and it's just like, oh no, or like getting ready for school or whatever. It's like, oh no, like this is, this is terrifying. Yeah. And like, that's just a mom's life. She didn't even exist like really as a character besides like we saw her, but like all she was doing was like she was a vessel to take care of her children she didn't really speak and if she did it was like with anger you know she was struggling and she didn't really exist like fully fleshed out until tully showed up well what i love about that and i'm glad you brought that up is because you don't know i feel like anything about her or the family until tully asks Mm -hmm. like we don't know the baby's name we don't know what charlize did for work we know that she's on maternity leave because the principal or the dean or whoever that is asked her about it. But we don't know anything until Tully asks. And, you know... Oh, she runs into a, an old friend, and we learned that she used to live in Brooklyn with her in right. a loft and, like, had an exciting, cool life. That also reminded me, like, this is sort of like an inverse young adult. You know what I mean? Like, that's the young adult character, that she's the cool one living in Brooklyn, and this is, like, the life that she could have been living in the suburbs in a, in a weird way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I just, I mean, setting aside the twist that Tully's not real, I thought it was really, really interesting and sad and well done that we don't know anything about her other than she's a mom to these kids until Tully goes out of her way to ask, oh, what's that like? Or what's she like? Or what do you do? Or what, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, she's just assumed to take care of the family yeah nobody cares like she's a mom like she is defined by the world as a mom and that's it that's all she is that is her identity and like she's lost in that identity at that point in her life too like it almost seems like she doesn't know who she is or where what she even really is doing with her life or anything and i found that interesting i was thinking to myself though like what is who is she who is this person all this stuff and then ultimately like it did come out and it didn't really matter um in that first half to me because i just 
felt like they did a great job of building up her routine, like with the montage and all that and, and everything that she manages with her life and stuff and all of her responsibility and everything. I, I feel like this movie is like really dark, um, yeah. you know, like all the way through. So it kind of like, I, I don't fault it for ending on sort of like an upbeat note, but I don't think like it's a happy ending per se. Like I, I just feel like life is going to go on like to a degree. Like she's not as bad as she was during the process of this movie uh, that takes place but like yeah she's by no means cured I didn't get the sense of that by the end but that it's a she's now like gonna go on and everybody's just aware of uh, what happened and it's you know they're gonna move forward are people aware of what happened though well I mean it comes out that maybe that she doesn't tell her husband about imagining Tully or anything but he is aware that there's some sort of postpartum episode had happened and now something has been recognized and now like things are changed like so I get the sense that things have changed and there's been a shift somehow within the unit and like after the movie things are gonna be tough nothing's solved per se but like at least there's sort of this new awareness of like what's going on in their lives you know people are just gonna be more aware of each other I'm just not sure if Ron Livingston, her husband, like, knows that something was going on, or more so just realizes that he had been lacking. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely absent from this whole, like, situation for sure and stuff. So, like, that's, like, a tricky sort of element there. I'm mad about the ending. But, and with the kid, too, with the kid, too, like, it just was so overdone. It definitely wraps up, like, too fast. I'll give it that for sure. Like, I like the twist, and then I don't like the way that it sort of handled afterwards like there's just not enough time like i feel like it just definitely they needed to bring that in like fight club like so that the whole third act is sort of dealing with the reality basically you know what i'm saying in that way they could actually process it yeah or just leave us with it and let us assume or make up whatever we think happened after that better i don't need to see it like her recovery is not what this movie is about that's a different movie I did still like it, though. Like, it didn't ruin it for me, but it, you know, it definitely made me not give it five stars or something because, I mean, I've just had, like, a really sort of emotional response throughout this movie in general because, like, over the past eight years and I've been really helping out my sister, like, as helping her, like, as, like, a nanny and, like, all that, like, taking the kids to school in the morning and picking them up and being there for dinner almost every night and, like, I've seen this life, you know, like... Mm I'm not my sister. I didn't give birth to kids or anything, but, like, I've really been there by her side for a lot of this kind of stuff. And, like, it's scary and overwhelming and frightening, like, on a daily basis and everything. So, like, that was portrayed very well in this movie and like when she loses it and like yells at her kid like instantly when her kid's asking for sneakers or something in the morning and the first time she answers politely and the second time she just screams at her like that's just normal like people don't understand that because movies don't portray reality all that often but I really got into it from the jump with that moment and knew that Diablo Cody like had some insight here and was aware of what she was doing and how she was like portraying motherhood and it's like to me I it was just like a very like sort of emotional experience just watching it that sort of like raw on screen I've never seen it before like that it always makes me laugh 
when I remember that children are used to adults being mad at them constantly. <laughs> and they just, like, shake it off. Like, that's just their life. <laughs> you know, one thing that really hit me, and I, you know, I, I have friends with kids. I was going to say, do I have friends with kids? I have friends with kids. But I haven't been close to them growing up. But what really hit me emotionally in this movie, and it was just... It was a small moment, I think, and it's a guy who doesn't come back, but the guy who becomes a tree with Jonah, where he's mm-hmm. just like, can mm-hmm. you be a tree with me? Like, I almost cried there, because I was like, oh, there is still some goodness in this world. Like, that in this world of the movie, and also just, like, the world in real life, like, there are just sometimes people who are like, no, kid, like, you're not doing anything wrong. Like, you're fine. You're just being you. Like, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to leave because you yelled. Like, that's not your fault. Like, just the fact that he was so kind and understanding was you know, just incredible. Like, there is a place for everybody, and there is a place where people won't look at you like there's something wrong with you. Which was what the other school was doing, right? Like, that scene was so powerful, too, yeah, because it's like, it took the public school to have someone who was willing to take the time on a one-to-one level to actually interact with a student, and this other school is just going to sort of, like, pass them off when they're supposed to be the more like elite school as well so like that was an interesting commentary i also liked that you know when charlie's goes back to apologize to, to extend the olive branch in the form of the cupcake and apologize there, i think i think that there was at least in my head there was like this tendency or this possibility of the principal being like oh we all have bad days like let's talk about jonah but it's just like no like we're still do- or we're still done here you know what i mean like it wasn't like that school was terrible and not the fit for him but i like that within the world of the movie it didn't resort to like a movie cliche like it felt like oh no we've made our decision i appreciate the gesture but like we're still you know mm-hmm. nothing has changed I-, I don't know if that comes across but like i just like that it didn't fall into what a movie otherwise could have been. Well, I think that's what helped me accept the Tully character so much and that whole idea, that situation. Because I'd never heard of a night nanny like that or anything. It was just like a terrific idea. I wish I had found that out a few years ago for, for other people I know and kids and stuff. But all these little like real touches and stuff, like not going with the tropes like you're saying and, and things like that, like helped me accept her when she shows up as just part of reality now. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's why the ending really, at least the reveal for me, really worked was because, like, I bought it, like, hook, line, and sinker. Like, I was down from the start when she showed up. One other thing that really worked for me, and it's, like, a it's a very small thing in the grand scheme of things, and it's somebody that I like, when Charlize and Ron Livingston are talking about her brother, who supposedly hates Ron Livingston and doesn't understand what he does... And then we go, we found out that he has like a, a matte black Jeep, just like Justin Bieber. They show up to his house, like it's this like, you know, beautiful house. And then Mark Duplass shows up. I'm like, of course it's Mark Duplass. <laughs> like, I like him as an actor. I like a lot of his movies, but it just felt like exactly the right casting. We see he has like this like hippie, hipster, free spirit of a nanny. And he's got this like, you know, beautiful ethnic wife. The guy who has it all, but just sort of, you, you, you sort of hate because everything is just like a little bit too perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I just like that. It was like, it was almost perfect casting there. I think he might have been, I might be wrong, but I think he might have been a producer on this too. Whatever the, the steps were to get him in that role, I think it was was perfect. Yeah, I really like that whole dynamic too as well. That helped me accept the Charlize character a lot more because her brother and sister-in-law, like, they're kind of douchebags. Like, they're like that's what they're being portrayed as. Like, I'm sure, like, it comes to light that they're just 
people. Like they're just, you know, trying to do their thing and, and end up trying to help a lot too throughout. I just was more on her side, you know, after I met them, I guess, and just being like, oh, I would much rather be raised by her than than them. Or so I don't know. It's just like that lifestyle was just so eclectic and like modern, I guess. And I'm, I mean, I'm just old. So I, you know, <laughs> like it's just not my gender. Well, I mean, they're the age Parent-wise, they're the age I am and stuff, but, like, I couldn't imagine raising my kids in that sort of manner. I guess I'm more of, like, a Charlize's, like, sort of demo, I guess. But whatever. I don't know. It, all it did was it just, I was further on her side, I guess, seeing where what she had, what else she had to deal with, aside yeah. from her day-to-day thing. Does it pass the Bechdel test if one of the characters wasn't real? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I think so, because it is a, Tully is a character in the movie. But one thing, and I, I don't want to throw shade at the Bechdel test, even though I think a lot of people oh, not, smarter than I have. It's not great. I listened to, and I mentioned this to Mike, I don't know if it was on a podcast or not, but uh, I heard about on, the, I think it was the, the Meg episode of How Does It Get Made, that Paul Shear was talking about this six-hour interview with Christopher McQuarrie, the director of Mission Impossible Fallout. He did this six-hour podcast, or two, three-hour podcast with the Empire podcast like empire film or whatever the empire media whatever and they talked about the bechdel test and because somebody had complained that mission impossible fallout doesn't pass the bechdel test or something like that he said that it does because there's two characters that say one line to each other or whatever blah 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 he said and i think this is also like a better way to look at it like if two women don't talk but there is a character as strong as you know the women in mission impossible fallout or as strong as charlie starin in this movie does it matter yeah. Like, I know that it's important to have multiple because representation women and, matters. You know, representation and stuff like that, but, like, isn't it better to have just strong women in general, even if there's... It's not like there's a ton of characters in this movie. Also, no. she talks to the principal, too. Yeah, no, this this movie isn't... I was I was half just joking. But I also want to... I do want to sort of talk about the back, because I thought that was interesting, that, like, I can see where he's coming from, that you, you shouldn't have to, like throw another woman in there just because to have somebody that your main woman talks no, to. No, but why can't you just make but why can't you just make a movie that's not all about men with one woman in it? Like why can't you just make a better movie? Why can't you just make a movie? Not even like I don't care. I don't care if there's movies about men because there are men in the world and they do things great. But like we have enough of that shit. Who cares anymore? Why do we keep having having to make the same movies over and over again about white dudes? That's not what it's about. I think if that's how you see it, you're a little bit missing the point. Like, she bumps into her friend at the cafe, and they talk about, like, they should hang out sometime, they should get together, and all that. But, I mean, again, it's a fleeting moment, and it doesn't really set up anything that pays off later on, either. So, I don't know. I, well, I'm think, I think it no, kind of does, does. Because that character... Because she goes to her apartment. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, there. So, I guess that is... That there is that moment. It's just one moment in an entire like ninety-minute movie. You know, I'm sort of more on. I tend to lean more toward what Jordan's going for here, where it's just like, why didn't they just write more characters into the movie or something like that? You know, or well, they no, they do. The reason I brought, yeah, no, I think this movie actually does an okay job. Like with the small cast, like there's Asian people represented, there's black people represented, there's more than one woman. They talk to each other because I actually really like the way that the two women, the way that Tully and oh god does charlie's character even have a name is that bad that i don't know her name marlo okay which is a great name the way that they interact with each other is really really nice it's just a woman 
trying to take care of another woman and then by by the time they build this relationship they are taking care of each other the longer that i'm a single woman the more that i see that showing up in my real life and i don't see it represented you know except for in kind of like dumb ways like yes like sex in the city cool i guess like they were all like four friends who talked to each other but i don't know this felt like really really intimate the way that they took care of each other and it reminds me of like playing house Oh, I haven't watched it. Oh, I, you need to watch Playing House immediately. Like like, you're going to love it for so many reasons. Yeah. Everything that Len and Jess do, just, you know, it is that bond of just two best friends looking after each other and, like, not caring about anything else in the world. They want to make sure that... I mean, Playing House is exactly this. It's, you know, Lennon's character has a baby and Jess takes helps take care uh, of it. Are they both it's real, this. though? Are they, they're both real. <laughs> oh, no, they're both real. It's not exactly okay, this. I guess that's, that's a good point, Mike. But no, but it's the same, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like, there isn't enough of that, Jordan. I agree with that. But there, w- when mm-hmm. you find stuff like that, and especially, you know, whether it's Best Friends Forever or Playing House, or even in a, in a weird sort of goofy way, like Womp It Up, like, there is something beautiful about just people finding each other in this world and helping them through either temporarily or permanently or whatever. Yeah, I really, really like their dynamic. Like, I just think acting-wise, they played off each other, like, so well. Like, there's just so much chemistry between them because the relationship isn't solid immediately or anything. Like, Tully comes in and, like, you know, it's it's her job to do this so like she's super comfortable and relaxed and all that kind of thing and you kind of feel like she's putting Charlize at ease and everything but then over time the Marlowe character like learns to trust her and everything and like we go through I think a montage of that and like just the way that the house is clean and then there's cupcakes and there's the way she's helping out and all these little parts of of her life up until they do a three-way <laughs> um, with Ron Livingston I was like okay well now we're pushing it up until that part I was like this is great there it's more like a, a like a sister bond kind of thing I felt and like that was that was really interesting to watch sort of like develop over time like throughout the movie and stuff because like I think of things like I mean the only real th- things I, I mean like Love Song is a great movie like but mm-hmm. it doesn't that's a different type of structure but I think of like Thelma and Louise like they're already best friends that go on the run so like they've bonded over stuff in the past and this is just a whole new experience so it's a little different than something like this where you actually get to see like the growth of a relationship something you don't usually see on camera either like this this type of dynamic how would you guys define or describe and i think i think i have to answer this as the movie goes on but i wrote down really early on that i was having a hard time getting a read on charlize and ron livingston like their marriage like it felt like it was sort of out of not convenience but well she kind of says that she talks about how there like was a time where they were super into each other but then she talks about her childhood and how she had three stepmothers and how that's not what she wanted for her kids right by the end i think you you know and i think it's also clear that he just he's just like he's there but he's not mentally there like he's there to like he helps the kids like he does the homework like she says and you know helps with sandwiches and stuff and helps with lunches but he's sort of just checking the boxes and he's not he's like he's oblivious to the to the great the greater scheme of things and that's you know not what she needs she uh tells tully that one little story about how like before I was married she said like I rode every horse on the carousel and Tully's like well which horse was your husband and she's like he was the bench yep and I was like oh that makes perfect sense like to me as far as this relationship goes like she not settled or anything but I guess she saw security and something that she could work with and manage and maybe even control you know and have like an upper hand and that would be you know empowering possibly Ron Livingston's character definitely you know like yeah he's like out of his league with with Marlo is how 
how I felt about it. And so, like, what does he have? He's got everything he wants, so he's definitely in some sort of bliss in his head where he's like, all right, I have the wife, the three kids, I can sit, I have the big job, I can come home and just play video games till I fall asleep. But that makes him, like, completely checked out of his own life, so that's kind of sad. I think that that choice for her to be with him, I assume she made that choice because she wanted children. That's a real thing, you know, like women can't have children forever. And if they see their life on a certain timeline, you know, they want kids in their 30s, there comes a point where Mm -hmm. you kind of just have to make the choice. And not everybody, but I assume, and this is, I'm like a little bit talking out of my ass, like not from experience, because obviously I have not made that choice. I'm 32. Maybe I want kids one day. Maybe I don't. Not super worried about it right now. But a lot of women, like that's what they want. Since there's a timeline on that, there comes a point where like if there's a guy around who's kind of okay like maybe they just go with it you know i think we get a sense of that too when Charlize is drunkenly talking to telly and she's talking about how the 20s are great and the 30s you know roll around and kick your ass like they just come around the corner and like everything that you thought you had in life you know like your what she call like the the tight butt like falls and like all this like your okay your first of all every... my butt is way better than it was in my 20s so she's full of shit <laughs> you're <laughs> athlete though you're circus you just did that circus jordan just saying <laughs> i think yeah i think what charlie's so. is saying there is exactly what your point like you know maybe she didn't want to marry ron livingston but he was a good enough guy even if they don't they're not as intimate or as in love as they could be even though at the end you know i love us you know in that part of the movie that jordan hates apparently when this movie was like first marketed or first whatever first brought to the press the people thought this was like juno all grown up but like juno was pregnant at 16 we yeah. find at the very very end here charlie's birthday is like in 1977 which is a couple years like charlie's was actually born in 75 so it's close a little bit younger in this movie but her oldest daughter is just eight so she had a kid when she was like 33 so like it's not juno at all like it feels like the 30s came around kicked her ass and then she decided, oh, I want to, maybe I want more in life, or I want, you know, I, I know that I want to have kids, and I want to have kids now, or I need to have kids now. And she had one, then she had another one, and then, you know, as they say early in the movie, like, the, the third one, the baby Mia, was an accident. So we don't hear that explicitly, but I do think that, Jordan, you're right in terms of, like, she had to make that decision because that's what she wanted, but now I, I can't, I, I imagine she can't help but wonder, like, if that was, like, what she actually should have done or whatever. That's a really interesting thing to read into there because, like, you have to be able to decipher that. Like, the movies, she's, you know, and I'm so thankful because, like, the movie doesn't come out and she she screams a lot and, like, has, like, these, you know, freakouts and moments and stuff and, like, says things during them, but I'm just so glad she never said, like, you know, my biological clock was ticking and <laughs> uh, da, da, and all of that. You know, like I'm just so glad. And like the movie makes you sort of work like while you watch it a little bit. Like that's just refreshing. One of the things that actually is really great about this movie, I think, and makes it nice to watch, as uncomfortable as it can be, is that you never get the sense that she regrets any of her children or any of her choices. No. Like mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. super lost. You know, lost in this role that she's chosen and this way that she's chosen. To to live but like she's not really complaining about having to do it like she loves her kids and she loves her family let's talk about the mermaids was there more than one mermaid <laughs> can we talk about gigolos instead oh okay, okay. we <laughs> I, I do funny. want to talk about gigolos because i have thoughts about gigolos but mermaids <laughs> when her water breaks she's dreaming about mermaids wait she is i don't remember that part well she's dreaming about being underwater but she watched the mermaid cartoon you see a mermaid swim by oh, oh I, okay. I missed that 
Okay. Like you see the underwater, the, uh, the the blue underwater, and at the top of the screen, like a shadowy figure, but it's clearly a mermaid oh, swims okay. by a couple times. At the very end, you know, Tully is her mermaid who rescues her, which maybe a little bit of magical realism, maybe a little bit of Deus Ex Machina. That if Tully's not real, we're saying that drunken, exhausted Charlize's mom strength her way out of the car. I don't know, but there's also that moment when she's like kind of vegging out in front of the TV at one point, or zoning out was more like it. She's watching like a children's cartoon about mermaids. Yep. Did you, yeah. So that was. I don't know if that's a real cartoon, but if it is, that's really weird. <laughs> I think. I, don't, I mean, it's Little Mermaid. I guess it's not that weird. What we hear about Draki Lore, who is 1,600 years old and apparently oh. reminds her daughter of Charlize, and she's like, that seems about right which is funny and sad <laughs> my niece has that doll so i knew what dracula was and i just hope they do a monster high movie so that brian can go review it i mean is there anything to talk about the mermaids i just thought it was kind of an interesting motif that's like this a little bit of magic in this world a little bit of escapism i guess right a little foreshadowing about the accident a little yeah bit, a little yeah. bit which apparently there's another i think i missed the quote early on or maybe i just didn't think it meant anything but early in the film Marlowe compares hiring a nanny to lifetime movies that end in the mother walking around in a cane after a violent, violent climax, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happens here. Oh, I didn't so. even catch that, because I, I. I remember thinking that that line was funny, and then I totally forgot about it. What was funny was Gigolos. I mean, it's not as good, <laughs> I don't think, as Kroll shows Gigolo House, <laughs> but, you know, Gigolos where it's... Like, her describing to Tully, oh, that guy got a promotion, like, he's a supervisor now. Like, just, like, the intricate... I like in this movie that she's asking her daughter about Dracula High, but her daughter knows as much about Dracula High as Charlize knows about Gigolos. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> this engrossment or, you know, this this level of interest or just... You just watch so much of it when you're half awake trying to nurse your baby back to sleep or rock your baby back to sleep. She's just into this world of Gigolos. I thought it was a... a pretty interesting choice to use that particular show as well too like is it a real show oh yeah is yeah it? Th- oh yeah yeah it's on like showtime wow. or something. i didn't know that never, okay uh, i mean like even i've like watched a few minutes of gigolo uh-huh. like is this a real show like what is going on and then just being like oh but i just thought it was an interesting choice like because of we're seeing a side of womanhood and women and motherhood and all that that usually is not por- it never portrayed like this on screen for the most part like is not what people want to see unfortunately but like it's real it's out there and people need to be aware of it and it's kind of funny like gigolos is sort of like a version of that too but like for men where it's like look like yeah there's a version of this where men are bought sold and objectified in the way that is traditionally seen as like the way women do you know the oldest profession prostitution and stuff like you generally just just think of women but like no like there's men <laughs> that not only do it but maybe have to do it or locked into it like it just becomes a way of life and it's just like a whole thing there so i, I just thought like the gender politics the being raised there in a, just like a small little way went further for me than than i you know was expecting it to i guess i mean bobby bottle service got to provide for his mom somehow <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was just looking for things to read deeper into, but well, and I, we've I just all thought seen that was Magic Mike. Yeah. Well, that show is is they actually like end up having sex with yeah. the women and stuff. So like it's it's a little beyond Magic Mike, but yeah. Well, but it's like the same. I don't know. This is like slightly off topic, but it's like in this case, like because they talked about how the one guy got too old that and he wasn't allowed to do it anymore, so they made him a mm-hmm. manager. Yeah. And that's like you know our culture is obsessed with youth and like that's just the way like 
older folks are treated like they lose their value you know oh and that's a little bit what's happened what Tully is or not Tully what Marlo feels like is happening to her here you know she sees that but it's it's not necessarily true like when they go to the bar first of all I love the line where she says two makers neat and he says you want water with that she says no I'm thirsty not dirty I was like oh okay like I like that you know Charlie's like I remember when guys used to look at me like that and Tully says Oh, he was looking he at you, which obviously was true because she's the only one there. And she looked beautiful, too. She did. Mm-hmm. But, like, in her head, she's like, oh, no, he could never look at me. But, yeah, he but is. That's like, because... that's like this invisibility that she lives with now. Like, yeah. that's what she really thinks. I think it's it's in a way like, because I do agree with you that, you know, we, we value youth and we devalue older people, like, once you hit a certain age. And we've talked about this kind of a lot in terms of, the types of roles that not a lot but the, we've talked about it in terms of the type of roles that people play and you know i'm just thinking about like inside amy schumer's like the last fuckable day or last fuckable year or whatever <laughs> where it's like julia <laughs> dreyfus and everybody who's just like i'm past that age now like whatever while that is true and i'm not saying that's not true i think this movie also is in a way saying like it's not always true like there are still people out there and not just in a joke way like Tully's like there's an entire subsection of porn into moms like I feel like you might think that you're not desired by the world but you still yeah. can be you know well, what I mean like just, I think there's, the there's a little like bit with, of an uplifting thing there in a way yeah it's the same thing like with her kid he just yeah. had to find the right place for him and that's true yeah. about everybody it's just not shown anywhere ever except yeah. for it, they show young people finding their place all the time you know <laughs> Young people and attractive is, people. Is that how she imagines her best version of herself? Is that sort of what's going on with Tully? Like, is that, I mean, is it like a full-on Tyler Durden type situation? I think like, it is. is. She, she's running around in the middle of the night as Tully like that and... Well, no, I don't think she's running around as Tully. So apparently Diablo Cody pitched this to Jason Reitman by saying, what if you were going through something really hard in your life and your younger self could come rescue you. Like, Mm. I don't think she is acting as Tully, because we see at the end, I mean, it's it's the same thing that, like, we see Edward Norton doing all the things that Tyler Durden did, but I think she's not pretending she's Tully. I think she's just, you know, it's kind of like an imaginary friend who, like, always has the right thing to say. Okay, because, like, yeah, because I wondered after the reveal, because I started thinking back, and I was like, oh, the house was cleaned, um, the cupcakes were baked, and it's kind of a nice hint when the little boy says, my mom made these, and, like, all that kind of thing. So I was just like, oh, all right. So she's just doing this stuff in the middle of the night, kind of imagining Tully talking to each other in her head kind of situation. She's not actually dressing up, like, as a hipster, like, like, super cutie kind of thing. In what we called the three-way before, it's just Charlize getting in her Mm -hmm. old outfit and having sex with her husband. Yeah, and that was the moment where I was like, what? This is a little, something Something might be going on here, but I didn't think it would be that. I thought for sure, like, it was going to get way generic and everyone was going to fall in love with each well, other. that's what I <laughs> thought this was. Like, I think I either miswatched or like, because I didn't watch the trailer, but I misheard the trailer or misinterpreted some marketing that I thought the movie was, the the plot of this or whatever, if you will, is that like, and they even say this, that Tully comes to, to take care of the baby, but it ends up taking care of Charlize, right? Like that's, they even say that. But I thought that the marketing was like, they come take care of the baby, then they fall in love. Like I thought that's what it was going to be. And so that's what I was like sort of thinking. And then when Tully's not even real, I was like, oh, huh, okay. But I had the same thought, Mike. I thought this was like, oh no, they're going to fall in love because it does seem like that. And I thought, glad it didn't happen, also wouldn't happen with the twist, 
that like she was gonna say, I need to leave, like I can't work for you anymore because I'm falling in love with you. You know yep, what I mean? Like Yep, exactly. Yeah, the movie totally got me. Like I fell for it all the way. And it felt good about that too. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't get I didn't feel like I got cheated or anything right. um out of it. It wasn't until after the reveal, sort of like I do feel like they just did it too late because I would have loved to have dealt with more of the aftermath and everything up in that point was doing such a great job of trying to be so grounded that when we're actually back to reality that it becomes very like just too saccharine almost like too saccharine for too long do you think that marlo knew that tully wasn't real yes i don't know i don't know either i i, I think that's again that's <laughs> the sort of the vagary of the movie not addressing yeah. mental illness Mm-hmm. I think because at the end, when she just sort of disappears in the room, I think she knows that she's not real. But I don't know if that's... Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she knows early on. Because what I, what I do like about how the movie sets up the concept of a night nanny, you know, like like the boy says, you know, like, like you just said, my mom made these, like the cupcakes, or, you know, when Ron Livingston's talking to Charlize and he says, oh, she was in here last night? I can't believe I didn't hear her. Mm-hmm. I think the way that the movie sets it up, like, oh, she's like a ninja. You know what I mean? Like, it's like oh, she's so good, like, they're so well-trained or whatever in being quiet that the whole idea of them is that, like, your kids don't know that they're there. You know, like, that's what even mm-hmm. what Mark Duplass is talking to her about when they're in the tiki room, right? When oh, just like, I love the you know, tiki we had a, we had a night We had a night nanny, and she's like, I don't remember. She's like, yeah, because that's what they're there right, for. You know what I mean? Because like, she was there at night. <laughs> so, like, I think it, it would make sense for the kid to be like, oh, my mom made these because he doesn't even know the night nanny exists, which she doesn't. But even <laughs> if she did, you know, it'd be like, oh, like, who else would have made them? Like, dad doesn't yeah. make cupcakes. It had to be mom. You know what I mean? So I just like that they're, the movie is giving hints, but also there's a way to easily explain, like, oh, that doesn't, you know, that's not a hint for anything because that's just what the kid would say because that's what he thinks. That's why I accepted the the reveal because I feel it, it even, it works better than Fight Club. Like, it's tighter. You know what I'm saying? Like, Fight, Fight Club, you know, Fincher even admits in the commentary, like, yeah, there's one or two moments where, like, doesn't quite line up, perhaps, but, like, it's a movie, so whatever. But, like, I really appreciated the idea, like, afterwards, I wrote No Night Nanny and then I crossed it out because I was like, no. But then I wrote <laughs> it again because I was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, she's not there and it all sort of lined up even when her sister-in-law was like you you should really call ron livingston and he's talk of try and convince him i was like why would they oh no because like the offer was still real and everything you know she just didn't call the number she called like her imaginary friend instead and everything and that's what happened so like yeah i I like that because i had no idea that Tully wasn't real until the nurse says that they think that Charlize is dealing with extreme exhaustion and sleep deprivation. Wait, I was like, even Wait when she was a mermaid in the water? That's like the scene like right yeah, before yeah. that. But I didn't know I okay, don't know what that yeah. was because I wrote down just sort of like a near death hallucination is what I Yeah. Thought. Like Tully is her mermaid I wrote down. Like that's just like I, like in my head, like that I actually <laughs> I, I think that, that scene still in my brain works in the movie, even if Tully is real, because she's like the metaphorical mermaid, right? Like she's the one who comes and saves her life. And that's why I just mm-hmm. saw, like, you know, I thought that might have been, like, I think other movies have shown, like, you know, a, a policeman or a fireman or whoever going down and, like, actually rescuing from the car. So, like, we'll see from the character's perspective that it's something else. But then I thought we were going to go back to that scene later and they were going to show, like, a cop pulling her out or something. You know what I mean? Like, I thought she was rescued by the mermaid. You know, I don't I don't know. But I was like, that's not that's not a deal breaker. And then, the, then she's like, 
oh, she's dealing with sleep deprivation. I was like, if she's been, was she, I was like, is Tully not real? Like, Tully can't be real. And then he's like, her maiden name was Tully. I was like, oh my God, like, what, what is this movie? Yeah, this movie is really just well-crafted. Like, I just feel like Reitman and Diablo Cody and Charlize, for that matter, the three of them, like, they are two for two with, with this little, like, trinity of theirs. Like, they are just on the same wavelength. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you can just tell, because Reitman had a bit of a misstep with that one Josh Brolin film, if I'm not mistaken mistaken like it's just it's not that it was like stop bad, talking shit it, about labor day you got to see labor day i'm not saying it's bad but like because i haven't seen it yet but like i mean it's, it's the not movie. this it's yeah it's exactly. also not like, good i just like our ongoing labor day bit it's a different it's a whole different sensibility is what is all i'm aware of because i've actually seen that trailer but like yeah i'll get to it one day it's much my running gag across all the shows but i just feel like the three of them should just go on and and do whatever they you know just go make more li- like of these types of small personal films about struggle you know like basically being like middle-aged struggle like it's just i don't know they just all seem like one tight unit when they're working together and they've just made like two incredible films together so i'm just happy that like here at the end of the first run of watch the throne like it's a movie i'm really enjoying like a lot of aspects i really like this um thing that comes up in this movie a couple of times it's like kind of two different thoughts but that feel related to me where like at first like tully is there with baby Mia and she's like, Marlo, you have to come like kiss her goodnight because she'll be different in the morning about how like this baby, but really like all of us are like growing and changing all the time. But it was just like a such like a sweet little way to say that. The other part where they're talking about the ship, if you have a ship yep. and like very slowly one plank of wood at a time, you replace the planks on the ship until you've replaced them all. At the end, do you have a new ship or is it the same old ship? And I really, really like that idea, like thinking about how people grow and change. It was nice. I've heard that before and I like that idea. And I think the movie even pays it off at the end when they go to what's her, her friend's mm-hmm. Violet's apartment and she's like oh yeah. there's like a lobby now and like to me it was the same thing it was like well this entire building has probably been renovated since you lived there like is it the same building like it's not right like her friend still lives there but in so many ways it's not the building that was there mm. when yeah. charlie's lived there and mm. it's the same idea like it's the same yeah it's the same building but it's not at all the same building yeah i love that stuff too like i'm so glad that's in here that they get kind of deep with each other like they actually just they converse it's not that they're talking about gigolos every time right like they have one conversation about it and it's like it goes on for a while too it's like a real conversation about the show and stuff and so like they're able to just talk about so many different things and what i like about that is we find out that tully is marlo uh so it's a very interesting concept like she's would you even recognize yourself 30, 20 years ago or whatever, 20 years in the past, if you've changed that much on a cellular level, you know, like that's, that's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know that, that to me is why I don't feel like she thinks Tully's imaginary. Like I, I truly believe her, you know, up until the end that she's like, okay, this is actually happening because she doesn't recognize herself. Right. I also really like the quote where she says, girls don't heal. And Tully says like, yeah, they do. Marlo is like, no, if you look deeper, it's just like the same old person yeah. covered in more concealer. Mm. Which is real depressing. That really feels like a thing that an older person would say to their younger self. You know, like when you're young, it's everything feels so... But I also don't necessarily know that it's depressing. I think it's just reality of like when you're young, you you think like, 
oh, I'm going to change so much and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to be like this. You know, everything's going to be different. That's not really what happens, I don't think. I'm only 32. Who knows? <laughs> I got I got some years left. That's not really what happens. You just are the same person and all the shit that happened to you, you carry it with you. You can't really like shed most of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it makes you who you are, right? Like for the most part. There's sometimes you wish like you could forget things, but then you wouldn't be who you are. So Well, and I think there's like this thing this really specific thing that happens to women too where we're not supposed supposed to carry that stuff around we're supposed to just act like everything's fine all the time even if things aren't fine which is like obviously we see her doing that here like she's just trying to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife and whatever but we so we in particular like really do feel like we have to like cover up our shit so that nobody can see it she's got a there's a great example of that in this movie when she flips out on the principal and she's like this is the real me when i'm not licking your asshole yeah (laughs) and then yeah but then later Later in the movie, she comes back in to like extend the olive branch, and it's like, whoa, she's like putting on the nice act again. I was like, wait, she's a little, maybe she's a little manic. I'm not sure what's happening here. I mean, I'm going with the movie, but like, yeah, I just found that very interesting. You know, when she just said it, and she's like, look, like, no more bullshit, like, no more facade, no more masks or anything. Like, this is this is who I really am, and like, yeah, not only is this who I really am, but this is who like you know most people are. I feel like in private <laughs> or you know in real life. So like, we're all sort of walking around pretending everything's great i mean not to diminish you know what women have to deal with whatsoever like by far like i can't even imagine for sure but like yeah i I think the movie illustrates that very well and i think it's even more difficult when you have to confront these like perfect examples of like what being a mother is supposed to look like or whatever like when you when we're talking to you know in the early dinner scene with with mark duplass and his wife when his wife is like oh my god when i was nine months pregnant i could barely make it to the gym you know what i mean like these like oh yeah. like you have to like there is a couple good lines like that yeah the, the movie is filled with amazing like diablo cody is just such a great writer like yeah i want to watch i see i disagree you don't think or she's like, a good writer i think she's a good writer but i don't like her writing it's just like so goddamn clever and annoying mm, it's poppy and, like, i always it's felt, right? so annoying but i think in this movie there was an excuse for it because tully's not real we don't know that till the end you know what i mean but like but they all talk a little like that in this movie there are a, there are a few she's very into pop culture you know you can just tell from like her stuff and everything but like yeah there was a moment or two in here kind of like those monster high moments right where it's like tell me all about this show i watched yeah. while i was writing my screenplay that i was researching children's cartoons like there's a few of those little moments i guess but ultimately it didn't it didn't bother me because i just know like that's her style and she's going to try yeah. and put that in there here and there i think like for me like I don't always like I don't I have a hard time sometimes with like Juno for example this I thought was so well acted yeah and it was well directed too that I was like totally willing to like kind of let that go Juno I loved in theaters and then I tried to watch it again more recently and I was like oh boy I don't know if I can get through this and then Jennifer's Body is a movie that I've only seen once that I didn't like but feel like I probably would but it's the same sort of thing like Megan Fox like is saying to Amanda Seyfried like don't be so lime green jello needy like naming a character (laughs) needy it's just like what is going on but then I saw Paradise I don't know if either of you see Paradise. It's a movie with Mm-mm. Julianne Huff. I don't remember anything about it other than it's in Las Vegas because like the Las Vegas trip is actually in a town called Paradise. 
I don't know, it's a whole thing. It wasn't that at all. Like, it wasn't as good, quote-unquote good, as Juno, but it was different and well-written. And then, obviously, Young Adult is incredible. Now, did she make... Did she write a movie since Young Adult? She did the United States of Terra, which... Oh, I liked that. Yeah, and that deals with mental mental health, right, I believe? I've never seen an episode, but she has multiple personality, if I Yeah, mm-hmm. She's like a mom with multiple personalities. Oh, okay. So she's responsible for that that series. That's she her. wrote Ricky and the Flash. Whoa! Wait a minute. The Meryl Streep yeah. movie with um, what's that rock star? Rick Springfield. Yeah. Jeez. She also created One Mississippi, the Tignataro show, apparently. But yeah, I mean, the the only movies that she's written, she wrote Juno, Jennifer's Body, created the United States of Tara, wrote Young Adult, wrote Paradise, Ricky and the Flash. And this, so <laughs> Ricky in the Flash. That's a weird outlier, but yeah, I mean, that's her Labor Day. <laughs> I get, I guess, I don't know. I can see why people would be annoyed, and I have been annoyed. But I think knowing this was her movie, I was just on board. Like it didn't bother me, even though I know that it could or should or whatever. Some context, because I'm now I'm reading Diablo Cody's Wikipedia. Her kids are roughly the same ages as the kids in this. That movie. makes absolute oh, sense. Okay. Her memoir, which she wrote before I. She won her Academy Award, I think, is uh, crazy. Candy Girl? Yeah. You've read it? Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago on on, um, on a plane to Vegas and back, that was the book I took with. It's really good. I mean, well, she spent like a year as basically as like a stripper and then more so. Like she ended up doing like all kinds of sex work dominatrix and i mean read the book it's maybe i want to read it it's it's pretty wild i think you can definitely not that i've seen like all of her movies but i'm really just comparing like this to like something like juno wait have you seen young adult Mm, i don't think so you can see how she's grown and like perhaps chilled in her writing a little bit in a good way in a really Mm -hmm. good way i also can't believe that we've talked for almost an hour and we have not brought up my favorite moment of the movie when she is singing karaoke to Carly Rae Jepsen. I mean, come oh, on. I almost did. I almost brought it up when we were talking about the kids. I for mean, a minute. come on. Like, that is, you know, there's only two people in this world that love Carly Rae Jepsen the way that I do, that I know of, and they're Chris and Nico over now and again. Like, the three of us love <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen, love that emotion album. And for, I mean, it's the it's the big song. It's Call Me Maybe. It's not off emotion. I think emotion is probably too much of a deep cut for a kid's birthday party. But anyway, for it to happen, like, for it to be such a sweet moment, but also, like, just such a perfect song choice and the see Charlize I mean Mike we've had on the Black and Chrome Grills Awards or whatever we're going to call them that's next week we got to figure out what we're going to call them we've had like song and dance and all this different stuff and like a lot of the movies lately have been better than they've been for the most part but like we haven't seen like these like fun sides of Charlize not that this movie is fun on a whole but in that moment she's having fun it's like you know if it is manic depressive that is sort of more of the uplifting sort of the manic what you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it yeah. feels it's just joy in that moment i think this is the first time we've heard her sing <laughs> uh, if i'm not mistaken in all of watch the throne Ooh. and that made me think of you joey because like <laughs> i love your sitting when you're just like i'm never surprised when an yeah. actor can sing really well i'm more surprised when they can't because like it's just it should be part of their job it's part of your resume like act dance sing like I hope you could do it, you know? Like, everyone everyone used to be Fred Astaire back in the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was funny. I was like, oh, she's singing. Like, this is so great. Because we even just watched, because, I mean, we recorded a little bit out of order, because at Camp Cage Club, we recorded the Charlize Clip Show, which will come out in a couple of weeks. There was even, remember her SNL monologue, it was Charlize Theron Can't Sing, that she was oh, on that, right. like, that's Destiny's right. Child-like band with Maya mm-hmm. Rudolph. Her whole thing was, like, she can't sing. So I think that just, like, she just doesn't 
do that. But part of the scene is like, you don't have to be a good singer to be like nailing it at a kid's karaoke party. Like if, if you're just there and you're, she's only there to help her daughter through this moment. It's exactly what, what it needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's not time to really dwell on a lot of the kids stuff, but like, I feel like her oldest daughter got a, got very short changed in this movie, be, you know, because like it's her firstborn. Like I just really, fe- and she's, a girl like I just thought that they would have more of like a bond shown like one or two more moments or something but but I think that's also true because you know her younger yeah. brother is special needs he's atypical we don't know what what his actual uh, diagnosis is other than oh he's God. quirky and atypical there's a literal baby you know what I mean like there's yeah, that yeah, girl yeah. this movie is realistic in coming from three people without kids but like <laughs> if it's realistic like that girl is going to be forgotten and it also seems like for better or worse she has her shit together. I mean, she's also, you know, Charlize tells Tully, like, she's in the part of her life where, like, she's starting to be hard on herself. She's, quote-unquote, a normal kid who you don't have to kind of worry about. Like, you have so much on your plate with Jonah and with the baby, that girl is just going to be left to be forgotten. That's also definitely a thing that happens to girls who have their shit together. As a girl who has their shit together, or, like, I'm really good about lying about having my shit together. Like, it's not (laughs) real. Obviously, I don't. I don't like to make generalizations. But it's often true that women are not good at asking for help because we think we have to do everything by ourselves. You know, we get all these messages from the world, whatever. But so that's often something that I've found that has happened to me is that because on the outside I seem like I'm fine when I'm falling apart I don't know how to ask for help and nobody knows that I need help and it's like actually something that I've had to learn to do really differently because that doesn't work to be a human like you need help sometimes but I've talked to other women who've also had really similar experiences and like that's definitely what's happening to this kid and happening to Tully too like her husband doesn't even notice that she needs help or not Tully, Marlo. Like I don't I don't wanna imagine what this feature would look like, but I feel like that girl could very easily become a drug addict. You know what I mean? Like she's like like it seems like in this world Charlie's on maternity leave, but they both they're able to afford the night I guess I guess they don't afford the no, night. No, yeah, they can't. That's also a gift. how much money do oh, they have? It was because gonna be a gift. But... It seems like they're doing okay, but they can't right. afford like extra things, you know? They can't afford the one on one aid that Jonah needs. Yeah. But it feels like in this world, you know, it's not like they're poor. Like they're gonna be they're not gonna have to worry about things. The daughter is gonna be fine. And I feel like just the neglect, because it's I think it depends on how committed you are to this ending sticking <laughs> and Ron Livingston being a good dad. Because I feel like if you have eight years of him playing Xbox at night instead of offering to take care of the baby or what you know what yeah. I mean? Like, is he gonna keep doing what he's doing? And I think the movie's like, yeah, he is like he, we turned a corner here. I don't really like the last shot of this movie because it's just him like inching into the frame to help wash the dishes. Was that supposed to be like he wants to be involved now? Like he's gonna be part of the unit again and stuff. I got I got kind of like a mixed message with the ending. But I also I feel like that's the kind of thing that we kind of assume that he was doing. You know what I mean? Like it felt like he was doing right. the little mm, things. Yeah. The it minimum. Was, <laughs> it was that he wasn't there kind of emotionally. Like I felt like mm. he was doing, like from the outside, you could be like, oh, like look at him. He's helping the kids with their homework and he's putting the food on the table and he's doing this, he's doing that. Like he is such a good dad. And then you realize that he's just not loving toward Charlize. I think yeah. the type of guy that he is defined as for this movie is the kind of one who would help her with the dishes. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily a change. Mm. I think it's just supposed to be like another little moment at the end where like, oh, look, at they're happy together. Like, I love us too. Yeah. It feels like that's the kind of thing that he would be doing. It's just, hopefully, I mean, they have more conversations. He's more attentive. Well, it's interesting. Like, the one time he wants to talk about something is after they 
fool around that night and she's like we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it and it's like you never talk about anything with this guy i don't know it's just like every night he's on his xbox and like he should be asking her like how are you what's going on like what are the kids up to like all this stuff like shouldn't even need to be asking because he should just be right by her side it's just frustrating i think but it's again it's more realistic like i'm sure tons of husbands are like that i'm not a husband the other side seems to be portrayed very accurately so like maybe this is an aspect of Diablo Cody's husband that she's sort of like amplified or something or just has found a way to like translate into the film and be like this is something I've observed with men that are married that just feel like everything can run on autopilot when actually no one's really running the plane like at all you know like it's about to crash into a mountain yeah were they watching Hedwig at one point? The Angry Inch? Yeah, they're, they're watching some musical where Tully then draws like a star around Charlize's eye, or is it Bowie? Oh, yeah. I, don't know. It felt I couldn't figure out why she was doing that. I was confused. Because they were watching something on TV, oh. then they go to the bathroom and she draws the star on the eye, and then the next scene that they're, you know, the, the makeup is all gone. Yeah, I didn't, didn't catch that. A couple lines I liked, and I mean, these might be the ones that bother you. I think it depends on how they hit you, but, you know, early on, Charlize is talking that I have to go out and get AIDS all by myself. I'm paying for AIDS, and the principal does not understand the double <laughs> entendre there. I, just... I loved how her sarcasm was taken as, like, politeness. Yeah. Almost, or, like, I understand you kind uh-huh. of thing. Minnesota <laughs> like, no nice one, in a no way, one right? Got there is another one where she talks about how nobody's filled her holes. Oh, yeah, right. that is... You can't fix the parts without treating the hole, and she says, no one's treated my hole in a really long time. I watched this with subtitles, so both of those, I had to be like, no, 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 it's a joke, it's a joke, because they were spelled out correctly, you know? <laughs> Maybe the funniest line, because it's so cynical, in a way, is when Mark Duplass's wife says, Siri, play hip-hop, and it's just like, oh, oh my god, like, that's... Yeah. You know, there are people <laughs> like they that. Play, Tribe Called Quest starts playing, it's like, it's either, like, a war tour or electric, electric relaxation, but I definitely <laughs> I can't believe that's the song. Uh, do you guys remember Mark Duplass's daughter's talent for the talent show? Pilates. Oh, that Pilates. Was funny. What a What a talent. <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines was when their nanny was telling them about the chickens, how they slice off the beak so they can't peck each other. Yes. <laughs> and she does it in that real sort of, like, I'm disgusted with it way. I like when when Tully first shows up, Charlize goes up to the bedroom and she's talking to Ron Livingston who's gaming. He says, like, well, how is she? And Charlie says, she's weird. And he says, are we just going to leave her down there with Mia? And she just says, I guess. And then, like, you know, goes to bed or goes to the bathroom or whatever. She's like, I guess this is life now, but, you know, I just like that. <laughs> I like the parallel from Tully's side, too, where she's like, uh, at one point, she's like, well, you guys could have easily just killed me, like murdered me, <laughs> yeah. you know? like, You know, which in a way is almost what Charlie says at the end, right? Like where she almost kills both of them in, uh, in, a, in a sense, right? Tully yeah, at one point says, I'm like Saudi Arabia, I have an energy surplus, which I loved, but I can also be <laughs> like, oh my god, okay. It's so Diablo Cody, that line. You're like a book of fun facts for unpopular fourth graders. <laughs> this was super sweet and just, you know, I think the right thing to say, but it doesn't help him. Like, the world is a loud toilet. Like, I liked that you know, too. A lot of, I love that. There's a lot of just like terrible things that we can't control that like, you know, loud automated toilets, like they're not great, but you know, you just have to like deal so with them. so many things that happen that we can't control that we just hate and make us want to like scream and cry. The world is a loud world toilet. Is a loud toilet. I like when she's jogging and then like sees that younger woman run by, she tries to take over, you know, she passes her and then collapses and the jogger looks down, she's like, oh, it's milk, I make milk. And it's just like, oh, you know, <laughs> just like the way that she said that. Again, that's a, the kind of line I think that could be terrible, but the way that Charlie's delivers it and like I think just the tone of the movie, it works. 
And, you know, at the end, again, it was maybe a little too on the nose when Jonah says, Mom, is this real about the brushing? Like, Yeah, I didn't like that. No child talks like that. It was nice moment. It was nice that he was like, I don't need yeah. this anymore. But The only other thing I have written down in my notes is that Charlie's gained 50 pounds for this role. I remember her talking about it a lot. I remember talking about how much she hated gaining all this weight because she had to just keep eating and eating and eating. She had an excessive diet of junk food, processed foods, in and out and milkshakes. <laughs> she would eat macaroni and cheese at 2 a.m. to help keep on the weight. And so that her kids, you know, she's adopted two kids from Africa, thought that she was pregnant because she had gained so much weight. You're supposed to, like, have the studio hire a dietitian and gain weight, like, responsibly. Like, isn't that what, like, Christian Bale does all the time? For Dick Cheney? Like... For... Wait, Jordan, did you see the new trailer for Vice? No. He really gained all that weight? That's yeah. not a fact. Adam McKay. And he really lost all that weight for the machine. I watched like a minute of this because I was like, I can't. There is <laughs> yeah, a movie coming out. I think it's about Dick Cheney, where Christian Bale is Dick Cheney. Sam Rockwell is George W. Bush. What? That's such a yep. weird casting. Adam McKay is, that is weird the director. Casting? No, I think it's kind it of perfect. Really? Yeah. Okay. Watch the trailer. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not big on it's trailers. something but about like, the eyes, something about Sam Rockwell's eyes that make it work better for me than Josh Brolin and W already, just the minute I saw. That's all I got. Uh, Jordan, do you have any other notes about Tully before we play our game and then nominate the last film for the, the Watch of Throne Awards? No, I don't think that I do. This is the first movie that I've watched for a podcast in a while that I like legitimately enjoyed watching the entire thing. Oh, that's always good to hear. And if you want to imagine how I watched some of it, it was at my circus school crying under the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> Feels about right. <laughs> Mike, do you have any notes on Tully? I, I really liked it. Um, I'm glad that we're ending the initial run of Watch the Throne on a high note with a good movie. Yeah, that's that's about it. Hey, can you imagine if we ended on Gringo? Oof. Gringo, not as bad as it's, you know, as people might think it is, perhaps. But yeah, not very good. I'm really not very good either. I'm really glad that, uh, that this turned out to be good. So just before we go on, before we uh, go into our segments we do every week, here are the next five weeks. We have five more episodes of Watch the Throne. Next week, Mike and I will be solo bolo style announcing the awards, what's nominated, what's up for voting. As that episode goes up, you'll be able to vote on the awards. If you go to cageclub.me, we'll figure out where to go. Exactly. You can vote on the show, vote on the awards, pick your favorites, pick your least favorites, whatever you want to do. Next week, the Watch the Throne Awards will be open. We will announce who's nominated, what the final categories are, all that sort of stuff. The week after that is our Charlize Clip Show, which we just recorded in person. Uh, there's like about 30 videos on YouTube that we will link to that you can watch. Lots of guest hosts on that a episode. A lot of guest hosts on that one. The week after that is a very special short episode that Mike and I have already recorded where we announce... The two podcasts we're doing next, which Jordan is going to be on some episodes Ooh. of. Jordan, did you fill out? Did you give us not. answers yet I'm or no? The worst. I didn't forget. I oh just didn't God. do it. We will talk after this. And then the week after that, Mike and I are going to do our... We've never done this before, and I don't know how it's going to go. I think it's going to be short-ish. But we're going to do our letterboxed wrap-up and reflection episode where we go over our... Because Mike and I have both ranked all of Charlize's movies as we've gone through this. So we are going to review those lists and also just talk yep. about Watch the Throne as a whole. Finally... In five weeks, the Black and Chrome Grills, or whatever the Watch the Throne Awards are, we will be joined by Amelia from Australia, and right. we will count down your picks and our picks for the best and the worst of Watch the Throne. I don't know how this happened, but there's like this great connection between Cage Club Network and Australia yeah. now, mm-hmm. somehow. Like, over on Brian's show, We're big he's down had, under. yeah, he said from BuzzFeed, and then Shawnee, and then here on this show. 
we're going to have our, our very own Australian guest. So there we go. very exciting. Love love them down under. Thank you for listening. Yeah, Jenna and Shawnee and Amelia, all uh, you know, our Australian fans for the network. Just shout out Australia. Okay, Jordan, our game, you played it on Mad Max Fury Road, Unfortunate Improv, Stan Lee Yourself. This is not a movie with a lot of characters. There's not a lot of scenes in this movie where it makes sense to have... <laughs> another person like you're not going to be in Tully's house, like with Tully in their house but if you had to put like if you want to walk on roll for Tully who <laughs> would you be what would you be doing where would you be in this movie well to be fair I do think a couple of non-reality thing happen reality things happen in this movie so you could insert yourself somewhere really weird and kind of play it off that's true that's oh, true oh maybe I would just be another mermaid <laughs> love it oh. yeah that sounds that's nice perfect. that I want very cool I'm a mermaid Wish I had thought of that. You can have it. <laughs> a merman. I have an idea. It might be depressing. I'm not sure. But we see, and it's not exactly, well, I don't know if this works, but we see Tully really broken up, really distraught over her roommate. And that's when, you know, Charlize is talking about how girls don't heal. And I feel like she's tapping into her own history. Like, this is a fight that she had earlier, younger in her life, and sort of knows how to navigate it or whatever. I see myself in this movie, and again, this would make Charlize's perception even worse I want to be like Tully's boyfriend who's distraught and shows up at the house, but it then turns out that I'm not real either. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I follow I Tully to the house, and I'm just like, come on, Tully, we've got to talk. And then Charlize chases me away. She's like, no, not now, and slams the door in my face or whatever. Like, I've never obviously seen by Ron Livingston or anybody because I'm not real, but in Charlize's mind, I would be real. In this world, so far, no pressure, Mike, but so far... Jordan and my <laughs> characters, neither of which are real in this world. So what are you going to do? Uh, I hate to break the streak, but I'm going to play a character <laughs> based in reality because I have a. I, I, I thought this would be a fun idea. Like, um, I'm going to be at the very end of the movie. I'm going to be one. I'm going to be a doctor at the hospital, and I'm going to be sort of filling out a form uh, on screen next to Ron Livingston, and all of a su- all of a sudden you hear paging Dr. Manzi. <laughs> Dr. Manzi, paging Dr. Manzi, and I walk off screen. Wow. Or I kind of give like a thing like, oh, that's me. And I, <laughs> and I leave the frame. <laughs> oh, it's me. Yeah. All right. Wait, like so it. there's some one thing I realized that we didn't mention that it's worth mentioning. I don't know that we have very much What's to that? say about it, but that she's also bisexual. Oh, right. Because she, um, because like Tolly's stories are her old stories, right? And she talks about having a relationship with her female roommate or how it, it was like committed yeah, the woman that we meet really briefly in the beginning of the movie that she runs mm-hmm. into like that was someone she was in love you know, with was that the roommate that tolly was talking about that's how i that's how i took it after yeah yeah that's interesting because yeah. they do have a really awkward interaction like I, it sort of felt oh yeah yeah the look on her friend's face yeah, is like I think that's why she's like she can't believe her eyes almost it feels like they might have broken up because they did that she didn't want kids because she doesn't she make a joke about her like cold black womb oh. or whatever like her mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's probably did. like a running joke whoa with them, right yeah, so like that yeah. might have been you know and then then she just found ron livingston violet Crazy. was definitely a horse on that merry-go-round yeah just another layer that's worth mentioning because it makes her like a very three-dimensional character and again just like not something that that's not something that's represented a ton and that's a detail that didn't have to be added to this character she could have just been a woman with a husband but it was yeah sometimes that can just be the only defining characteristic trait you mm-hmm. know and that that's when it stinks mm-hmm. <laughs> cool okay so we have an email address here watch at cageclub.me no emails today but email in let us know i mean I, i'm really interested to hear 
next week when we announce the awards, did your favorite movies make the cut? Did they not? So on and so forth. Let's hear from about that. But before we get there, we need to nominate this movie for Good and Bad Awards. Time to nominate Tully. I'm going to say, like, we're going to cut it down next week, but I'm going to say best film, mm-hmm. uh, best role, for sure. Yeah. So here's here's an interesting one. Best character transformation. It is, in a way, a transformation. Hmm. Not really, but also kind of. I think it is. You think so? Uh, what would you say is a transformation from and to? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's more... I don't think she... We see the two. I don't think it's done yet. Yeah. Do we want to nominate best or worst love story? No, I don't think so. Or best love triangle? Gets... I mean, it's not really a triangle. It's a. It's an imaginary triangle. This might be too late to ask this question, but does this movie work if Tully is real? Like, and just leaves at the end? Is it still... Yeah, yeah I think it still works. It's a totally different movie and and the twist there's is no it twist. better i, I kind of like it more with the twist but i was just wondering watching it like does it still work without the twist and is it better without but but to me i i don't know i think it's i think it's better with the twist because you can read into it deeper okay so without telling so say they, they do they go out drinking in brooklyn charlize drives home falls asleep at the wheel they crash does tully die is she also in the hospital does she not go home with her maybe that's it that's it probably that you know they have a fight that would make the most sense right Mm -hmm. because Tully can't be in the car like if Tully is real Tully can't be in the car like I didn't really yeah okay I don't have any more to explore with that it was just kind of on the edge of my mind as we're wrapping up cool no I like it best death no best non-Charlie's death no best fight no best line I do want to say girls don't (laughs) heal oh I thought you were going to go with a much like harsher line. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so there's freakouts and stuff, which we can get to next. But you know, in terms of the line itself, is there? I kind of like that line a lot. Or is there a line that either of you like more? Um, I like the one about the toilet more. Oh yeah, like... or like it. It depends what vibe we're going for. Like I do really like the line about the concealer, but I also really like the toilet. I only put both in. Oh, I guess the boat thing is more of like it's not just a line. It's like a whole. It's a little of... long. Yeah, it's a little too long. Best freakout. There's there's one thing that I wish I kind of understood maybe about pregnancy. Not that I necessarily need to know, but there's that freakout that she has where the nurse just wants her to pee. And she's like, what do you want, a golden shower? Like, like, I know what she's saying, but, like, I don't know why the nurse is forcing her to pee. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, I think it's, like, a thing where they just have to check to make sure she can pee. Okay. Because she threatened to put the catheter back in if she couldn't. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was a post-pregnancy sort of, like, body, you know, just went through, like, a humongous change and you just gave birth. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, because I'm not a doctor. So I have no idea. <laughs> well, you we are in this movie. In... You're Dr. Manzi. Page <laughs> Dr. Manzi. Yeah, I guess I am. Uh, malpractice suit. <laughs> so, okay, so for best freakout, do we want to do the golden shower one? Do we want to do... We're going to call them the golden showers, you mean? No. <laughs> but the freakout that she did on the principal was better than right. that. When she says, yeah. do I have a kid or a fucking ukulele? Say what you mean. You think Jonah's retarded. And the whole, like, I'm not licking your asshole yeah. thing. This is the real me when I'm not licking your asshole surprise. I jumped when she knocked her kid's head against the filing cabinet, too. I was just like, eee. She's fine. <laughs> Best cinematography. I think this movie looks good, but I think compared to what else we've seen, no. Best song. Call Me Maybe. A- Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like the sort of um, the, the music. There's a lot of great like montages in here, but the music montage on the way to Brooklyn with all the songs. Yes. All the yeah, that was a good montage. Apparently, this movie also features music by a band that I don't know, but I do know someone in the band. This is actress Caitlin Deaver, who was in Justified, but was also in 
the ter- we forgot I forgot to mention this before. Jason Reitman's previous film, The Terrible Men, Women, and Children. Have you seen that? Have either of you seen that? No, no, never even heard of oh that. Oh my god, it is bad. It's like this like <laughs> crash type where it's like all these intersecting stories. It's about technology oh, no. and about how we're all like addicted to technology and like we're all we're not we're not there for each other, man. Like it is bad. Dude, just you know, look up from your screen, bro. Are we doing screen time? Oh, that was your rule. Ugh, um, I mean, I'm he, fine with it. It was the but... worst when he just <laughs> needed to stop talking. I think I think that part was in the Ugh. trailer too, from what I remember. Just like, because that is sort of the most awkwardly cringy, poor judgment on his part. Like he said something before that too. Like what's for dinner or whatever. He's like, oh, frozen pizza. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put best score soundtrack Tully just because I think the like that '80s pop power ballad montage alone. We might cut it up. But I'm gonna put it in there now. Best dance scene. She kind of dances a little oh, bit with maybe. Carly Rae Jepsen, but not really. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the mosh- moshing. Yeah, the moshing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll moshing in the punk club. Best or worst male or female actor or role. Obviously, Mackenzie Davis. She's so good in this. Like, I don't. What do I know her from? So she was in a movie that came out a couple years ago that I really, really loved, which was Always Shine. What? That sounds familiar. It's real fucked up. Real weird. Uh, you know her from right. Blade Runner 2049. Shout out, Boyfriend Material. Oh, She yeah. is the prostitute that, that uh, Joy hires Holy... to sort okay. of have All a right. weird three-way in that movie, too. I know her from something else, too. Black Mirror. Yes, that's She's it. also... Oh, she was in Freaks of Nature, which was going to be... When Joe and I, for a minute, thought we were going to do a Vanessa Hudgens podcast, she was in Freaks Wait, of Nature with Vanessa Hudgens. She's in... She's in she's that in awkward the, moment. Is she in the Mars movie with Matt Damon? She's in The Martian. And she's going to be in Terminator Who is she in Linda The Martian? Hamilton. She was like the... She's on Earth, right? Yeah, she's on Earth. She's in Mission Control. She's, uh, you know, I don't remember her from this, but she's in Smashed, that Aaron Paul movie, James Ponsult movie. Uh, she's in What If, that. which is a really cute uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Zoe Kazan movie. Oh, is that when they find the money thing? No, that's about where they're, they're friends oh, no. and they want to start smashing bits. Um, and she's in That Awkward Moment, shout out Zach Heck. I confuse her sometimes, her roles with who is in... Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, I didn't watch. It was... Wait, no, that's her. Just kidding. I don't confuse her <laughs> with her. Because it's the same person. I mean, <laughs> we were having the same problem with the actress from Mandy, remember? Where we're like, she's so unrecognizable. And then we looked her up and we're like, we've all seen her in at least like two or three things. <laughs> but she doesn't look like she doesn't look like herself in Mandy. Like She looks right, right, right. very different in Mandy. Um, I need to see that, right? Uh, absolutely. We actually mm-hmm. just recorded that episode last night with Larson, and it's gonna we're gonna put it out either tomorrow or Friday, probably. As it'll be out by the time people hear this episode. Uh, but it was re- I think it was a really really good talk. Like, I had a lot of fun talking about that movie. Mm-hmm. But definitely see that movie. Do we want to nominate? Because obviously he's not a great character, or he's not like a good dude in the movie. Do you want to nominate Ron Livingston as best male actor? Because I think the part he plays, he's really good at it. I like Duplass better, to be honest, in what he has to do. Like, I... I kind of gave I, him more to do, too. I buy him. <clears throat> he showed a lot of range. Like, the awkwardness from when they first show up to the dinner party to his, like, casual acceptance of them when they're eating dinner to his, like, reverting to just brother-sister down at the tiki bar. I was like, I'm kind of like, I know he's, like, a rich dick and stuff but like i'd kind of hang with this guy i guess another cool show to... shout out rich dicks <laughs> <laughs> grampy gooby he totally darred oh my god forrest bump <laughs> so i'm totally so i would like to nominate either mark duplass or ron Livingston. i think they were both good in this movie however mike we already have 15 nominees for that category <laughs> i don't Neither see us actually nominating more than five like bring more than five to the award so we're gonna hold off there because he's gonna make he's not gonna make the first cuts anyway so nope uh, i think we're in good shape so we nominated this movie for 10 things wow okay wow best film 
best role, two best lines, best freakout, best song, best score soundtrack, best dance scene, and then Mackenzie Davis as Tully. This, I mean, they might not, they might not all stick because we have currently single space in Google Docs, seven pages of awards, Mike. So we have macro. time. You know, when many. we when we meet up next week in person, we are going to have to cull this down because Jordan, we did this from the beginning because we're like, it's so difficult when we did Cajun Keanu Awards to remember the yeah. stuff that like, we didn't love. Mm-hmm. So this is like the opposite problem to have. Like we have too many things <laughs> that could fit. So now we have to sort of like whittle it back. Down. But this is this is yeah. a better problem to have, mm-hmm. I think. I wish it would be interesting enough to do a whole show on just cutting down the awards. I don't think I mean we could record it, <laughs> but not, I don't think anybody's not, gonna want to no. hear that. No, no, no. I don't even want to record it. Um but that's it. So we're we're good. I I, I really like that we wrapped up with Tully. I think this really worked. Again, just any any final thoughts about we have Mike and I we have our reflection episode coming up in a little bit, but Jordan, anything you learned going from terrible, terrible Woody Allen movies to terrible rom droms with Keanu to like, you know, the best Charlie's movie and then to this, you know, again, one of the one of the best Charlie's movies, even if it's even if it has sort of a problematic ending. Oh, I mean, just hearing it like that, I feel hopeful. Yeah. I feel hopeful for women in cinema. That's good. I like that. Because it really did go from, like, real shit to, like, hey, these are really good movies, and they're really complex characters, and yay. All you have to do is be a great actress who's also beautiful and who also takes no shit, and then stick it out for 15 or 20 years, (laughs) and then become a producer, and then make your own movies. Actually, all you really need to do is hook up with Stuart Townsend for 10 oh years God. and you're in like Flynn. But yeah, so that was Tully. So Jordan, thank you so much for being on here. We'll have to talk to you after we're done recording this to figure out which episodes of our next shows you'll be mm-hmm. on, which you, the listener, will hear in about a month or a little bit under a month from now. But Jordan, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. I and love go, talking to you guys. Well, I lo- we love you. talking to you too. And go check out Wistful Thinking where you and Kara, who's also on here a handful of times, you guys talk about a lot of great stuff. And Mike was just on one of your episodes talking about Rocky Horror. He sure was. Oh, yeah. And then you just put out, time as we're recording this, you just put out last week, Hocus Pocus, now that you're in the spooky Halloween month. Mm, yeah, that's right. It's October. And Do you want got... to tease our listeners with what's coming next as we record this next week? Or as I got... as we release this next week, two weeks from tomorrow? Oh, I got two weeks from tomorrow so it's coming out on thursday what's the next episode after hocus pocus let's let's keep it simple we got the craft after Ooh, hocus pocus the craft. uh which we're pretty excited about the other thing i want to plug is uh Karen and i are starting a mini episode oh, every boy. other week this the oh, show it's happening it's, <laughs> it's happening. happening i'm so happy I it's need to be on. happening <laughs> is Kara going to do art for this? Uh, that's a good question. We haven't talked about that. I started to think about that yesterday. I was like, oh God, we at least need like a logo or something. The first episode is recorded and half edited. There's editing? No. Well, <laughs> no. I guess you need, yeah, I guess from time sense. to time. I love the idea. I think people could either love it or absolutely hate it. We know that. We, know that. Know. we agree. <laughs> But we love it. As long as we're on the same page, like this could go two we very love different it. ways. I've listened to it. It's not as offensive as it sounds like it should be. But it's also coming from you who like, this is like your favorite idea. You know what I mean? Like, this is, you're not going <laughs> to no, see this as anything I other know. than pure joy. No, but here's, you know I mean? here's the other thing though, is Karen and I both hate <laughs> We hate them. And we don't hate this. All I know is I was privy to an unrecorded episode, let's put it that way, a warm-up episode perhaps, 
there's something about it that I took to instantly. Right. And I didn't know. I like. I think it just it's a love hate thing, and I loved it, and I didn't expect to love it, and it's just so weird and fun that I'm down <laughs> with it. I, I don't know why. Would you listen to it? Like you liked doing it. Would you listen to I it? I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna check it out. I, that's the test. I okay. guess that's ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? Is yeah. it as much fun to hear as it is to to partake? I think yes, because it's a game. <laughs> it's a game that goes on for far too long most of the time, and so I think yes because I I like that in a podcast. Like when I think I'm right, I think I know before the person <laughs> guessing does, you know. And you're like yelling at the exactly. Podcast I think like... that. This has the potential for that. Chris Podcast puts it as like feeling like a ghost, right? Like you <laughs> yeah. never feel more like a ghost than when you know the answer to something to, you can't tell the two people who are, who are talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, for all things Watch the Throne and Wistful Thinking and this bonus ongoing mini Wistful Thinking, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, watch at cageclub.me. Next week, make sure you listen, make sure you vote in the Watch the Throne Awards your feedback determines the winners. They all get actual awards. We're going to mail it to their publicist's office. Make your <laughs> voice heard. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jordan Poland Clark of Wistful Thinking. And we'll see you next time when we announce the Watch the Throne Awards right here on Watch the Throne. I